That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a podcast, you know it by now, re-watching and discussing Batman v Superman one minute at a time. We have arrived at minute 101. In minute 100, Bruce Wayne was hovering over a file <laughs> entitled uh, Belgium, November 1918, 31.8 megabytes, one image in the folder. Stephen, are you ready to, I guess, left double click? Yes. Let's do it. Well, we finally get the full blast of Wonder Woman music that hits perfectly as Bruce opens up the image. Everyone knows by now it is the photo of her and her team from World War One. The electric cello blasts in as he sees the face of Wonder Woman. This is Wonder Woman now. First look officially at Wonder Woman in the armor, uh, sword, shield, massive fur robe. Maybe let's start there. What was your feeling the first time you got a look at this photograph in the theater in this movie? Um, I don't, I don't remember the, the the feeling I had. I do remember that, as with most things, in the way that they were kind of revealed, it was like, oh, that is not how I was expecting, like that to be revealed or or introduced. Like the the idea, obviously, it had already been kind of teasing the like she's been around a while and whatever, but the um you were not expecting to see chris pine right yeah and um it's there's such a she is so like we'd seen the photo of her already but like her wearing like the robe and the shield and and even like the the hair is so like period yeah in a way that's like she's like a warrior here and and not obviously like she's a warrior in this movie like the the initial photos that that we saw of her like the 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 reveal photo that he used you know she looked like a warrior there too but it was a very modernized kind of version whereas this is like barbarian queen yes exactly yeah that's that's the best way to put it and yeah and as with as with most things Zack snyder i always have trouble processing it until i go back and do like a, a minute by minute take on it right and so so it's one of those things where i was like wow this is not i don't know how i don't know where this belongs in my brain like there are no the neurons that are like should process this like don't exist yet so i just need to kind of retain it until i know where this gets filed away in my in my memory <laughs> yeah i think probably first i i thought that music sounds amazing and then there are two things that jumped out <laughs> to me one of them i remember thinking Oh, uh, you and Bremner and, and Saeed Tagmawi are in Wonder Woman. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be in, in her team. I did not, I, I believe this is how I found out that they were going to be in the cast of that movie. And, uh, you know, in her and Steve, you know, Steve Trevor's like gang. And then the other thing that I love about this is 
that the quality of the photo is period accurate. Yeah. It looks the way that it, I mean, it's, it's just, it's a, it went too subtle and not subtle enough. Obvious. Why does no one do it? It captures what you're saying so perfectly where it's like, there is no makeup visible. Like that's what, that's what I'm talking about is she looks different in this photo than when we've seen her in this movie and very intentionally so. And that's something that you, I feel like it's, it's overly common in, in other movies where there will be this type of photo and it will be like, crystal clear like made up it's like oh they just like desaturated it they added a sepia tone and yep. then they just called it a day and this and they actually they shot this on a i think the slater because it's zach and he's got all yeah. his like artsy photography friends i think actually had um like the glass slide right I, actually I, be- I think the dude's name is steven berkman at least he's the one that shot the the original photo which i guess i think we should talk about in a second here um but um yeah he actually shot it like on a like actual period camera so it's not like they took it and like photoshopped it to look that way but it it looks this way because that is for all into like they shot it on a real set with a real period accurate camera in full costume and so why why shouldn't this image be a real image that exists from 1918 yeah, there's no difference other than the fact that it, it just it is physically newer, but the technology, the everything about it is period accurate. Yeah, well, I guess <laughs> there's more than one thing to say here. There's also, um, I, I think Eugene Brave Rock as the the chief in the photo, like, and also Zack Snyder off to the right in the background as a soldier. <laughs> uh, he gets his cameo on screen here. I, I think even in this, the way that the photo is taken, it is a bunch of soldiers, and then this like black. You can't see her. I mean, her legs kind of become a famous part of the costume. You can't see them in this photo. Like, yeah, she's just this, you know, like Viking, like we were saying, barbarian, you know, um, just she's not of this world. I think think that's one of the things that's interesting is everything up to all of Bruce's. He meets her at Lex Luthor's party and she's very high society savvy. She's a thief. She knows, you know, she knows art. She's like very, she fits in the world that like Bruce Wayne fits into. Yeah. And then you see this and it's like, oh no, she's out of place in this photo. Like she's out of place in 1918 where it's like, okay, these guys are all here. What the hell is she? Uh, That's the kind of thing, right? Because we're talking the stuff that is like meta textual in the actual movie. Bruce is realizing this woman is immortal, mm. um, at, at least in some way, and also is a shield-bearing, fur-cloaked warrior from World War One, <laughs> at least. Yeah. His idea of superhumans, I think that explains the expression on his face, as he is just, A, she's obviously more powerful than I am then. Now I've been focusing on Superman and the danger he represents. And now here's this woman I've been talking to, I've been interested in. And she said, oh yeah, I'm trying to find a photograph of me. And I'm all sly and well-spoken and sneaky and going tete-a-tete with you. And also I am kind of what you are terrified Superman could become. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also just the, the juxta- the, the, it, it pans, it does the push in on her face and then the push in on his face. And it's such a funny juxtaposition of Bruce Wayne in the bat cave with like his motivations in this movie. And then all of a sudden he's facing down this barbarian warrior princess from world war one, who he has met in person. And the, and 
and it, and even even this shot in the Batcave has a has a abnormal kind of amount of like there's like some splashes of color in the background, um, which it draws a very clear juxtaposition between like who he is and where he is versus who she is and where she is. Whereas up to this point, they've positioned them as sort of like foils of like she's you know they're they are they are both the attractive like yeah they're more alike than they aren't yeah and then all this just totally shatters this and it's like oh no she's something altogether different <laughs> her music is also a literal opposite to everything accompanying you in this movie so far it is yeah. loud and brash and electric and confident and positive wild whereas yeah. his is all you know the opposite of all of those words basically and i also think that there's a there's a larger question here also um outside of um the the like sort of bruce's reaction and and what we're learning about wonder woman in this moment there's a there's we always have to go back to the fact that like this is lex's drive so he knows about flash and cyborg and aquaman and wonder woman and batman um and presumably i wouldn't be shocked if he knows about others too i mean we know from you know that um i guess in suicide squad he drops that dossier where he's got like the justice league members but i mean obviously there are other known metas who like exist in government programs right there's el diablo as a fire god right and you've got all this that this is a world where lex would be aware of others so we know that this is information that is breadcrumbs that he is leading Bruce along to something. So why, why did he choose Bruce? And I think that the answers on that are pretty easy. It's because he's the closest to Lex and probably also the easiest to manipulate and maybe poses the least threat to Lex because he doesn't have, he's not super powered, but like, why, why does he want Bruce to be aware of all of this? He's like, here's the instructions for the spear. Here's all this stuff. But by the way, here's your future team members. Like, obviously, he wasn't planning on him putting together the Justice League necessarily, unless he was hoping that, like, Bruce would be subservient to him in some way, which seems not realistic for Lex. I think I, what I like to think is that it, all of these files are meant to make Bruce feel more powerless, more, be- more desperate, right? Oh, yeah. To feel that clock ticking that well, to feel I what need Lex to feels. do this. But the one thing, and we said this before, the one thing that Lex could not account for was Diana, that, that she is kind of a, a rogue agent in all of this. And what ended up happening is that unlike Superman, Bruce met her first, just as a person. Yeah. And was matched by her, intrigued by her, and like you like you were saying, she came off as I am the counterpoint to you. Like I am a foil here. We are just alike. We know what the other is going to do before we do it. And we are an even match. You know, no natural inclination to share. Get him cracking a smile, being interested. I imagine nobody has surprised Bruce in a long time, and he's clearly surprised by her. And then she says well, I have my own reason for doing things, but good evening, Mr. Wayne. And then leaves, he sees this and it's, oh, she's actually an immortal uh, metahuman warrior who has been around for a long time. So now Bruce is thrown, have I, was I wrong about her? Or what do, how do I rectify these two things about this one person? Yeah, because imagine that if I, he hadn't know? encountered her yet, I think, and, and that's where it's hard to know where Lex's plan starts and stops or fails and succeeds like 
We know that he Lucas, wanted. There's Bru- immortal people walking the streets. He they're, wanted they're dangerous. Bruce to hack his phone. He wanted Bruce to you know he wanted Bruce to to, to get all this information. Um, did he plan on Bruce meeting Diana and having this chemistry with her or this this intrigue around her? And how significantly does that alter? Like if Bruce hadn't encountered her yet, and he came across this, I feel like he would be a she would be on his list next to Superman as like, I need to stop her too now. But because he's met her and, and met her as a human and saw her humanity before he saw yeah. her, her godhood, he doesn't react to her the same way as Superman because he doesn't have that moment with Superman until later on. And so not only does it change his perspective, his perspective on Diana, but introduces, I'll just say at least the idea that, his perception of someone based on what they were capable of, like physiologically, it may not be totally accurate. Right. He thought that she was a babe and, you know, was a babe in the woods and all of that stuff. No, you are not the one. You were a fool. You put your foot in your mouth. You were completely wrong about this person when you thought you knew the entire story. Well, and somebody that has that kind of power is pretending to not have it, which he can associate with on a on a certain level but she's not more like him she has a bigger secret right we should also mention zach has made public the original photo i guess the original photo that was the stand in knowing that it could be a part of the plan or or was what is inserted how would i say this zach has made public the photograph that was used for his production's purposes Knowing that it, it was not set in stone, it was not permanent based on what the Wonder Woman movie ended up being. Obviously, we have a photo of Chris Pine. This is like, in my opinion, like the coolest way that a, that an extended universe has set up another movie where I'm sure people in the theater were going, that's Chris Pine. Yeah. Is Chris Pine in the Wonder Woman movie? That the photograph he originally inserted gets the idea of a barbarian queen across a lot more, like literally. Yeah. Well, and I think that before we get into that, one of the big reactions following that was like, oh, Wonder Woman is no longer canon. That was taken away from Zack, and this was the movie he meant to tell. And I think that we don't need to break down the whole thing here, but I think one of the more fascinating things, anyone interested in the development process of Wonder Woman should listen to, there's an interview with the writer... Alan. Alan Heinberg. It's for for the WGA, maybe, or or I don't remember exactly what it was for. But he talks about meeting Zach and the process of writing it. And in, in it, he, he doesn't mention specifics for Zach's story, but he says that Zach had a story already mapped out and he pitched it to him. And his reaction was, well, that's, we've already seen that story from her. That's basically her same arc in BVS, just again, but bigger, and kind of pitched him on this new story that ended up being Wonder Woman. And when Zach, got the pitch he said well yeah let's we, we have to do that version like that version is, is better and so i think that um while it's really fascinating to talk about this this alternate photo it was zach's decision to 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 move away from with from it and go with this version and then he worked with alan closely to to develop the story that right. alan he turned a story in, by credit right yeah exactly so he 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 the, he whiteboarded it and everything in the same way that people have seen whiteboards of like his future plans. He, he whiteboarded the Wonder Woman story that we got in, in theaters with Alan before Patty Jenkins even came on. 
And so, um, and so this is not a like what we would have or could have or should have gotten so much as just an early concept, but is a cool, I think really cool alternate universe version of the story that I would, I would love to see, but I would never pit it as a, like the true the version real, yeah, of the intended. No, but, um, but yeah, but when, when Zach tweeted it out, it was, uh, I don't know. I, I try not to, to brag too much, but, uh, <laughs> I, I had a, a version of this image, um, for a while. And I think, I think I showed it to you. Um, before um for a while before it came out as one of those things where it's like you can't talk about it it's like i hate almost sometimes don't want to know because like how do you sit on this and not talk about it this is insane um for for like a year or, or two years maybe before this came out and um and so when he posted it on on twitter it was like a moment of like finally because i didn't even have full context for it and so he posted it and was like here's what this is and it's like oh cool i knew what it looked like but now i know the backstory that's even cooler but he said um, Wonder Woman 1854, which is a hilarious kind of, <laughs> uh, but Wonder Woman 1854, this amazing image shot by Stephen Berkman of a, uh, elseworld war weary Diana who chases Ares across the battlefields of the world and has yet to meet Steve who would help her restore her faith in mankind and love itself. So in this version of the story, she leaves Themyscira at an undetermined point in world history right to chase well and not only at an undetermined point but it's it's a much longer period in time right. also where maybe there's a version of the story where bruce finds this photograph and it's not just this photograph but there's a like wolverine intro like the the wolverine movie intro where he goes through all the wars there's a a, a diana version of that where bruce is like wait this is the chechenian war this is the, yeah there would like, be it would be she has fought in all of the, uh, there were stories of this warrior. And then in the Crimean war, it was, um, it was one of the first where there were actual photographs taken. So this is the first time that there would exist an actual photo of the woman. Yeah. And it's Diana. And so, yeah. So the idea is that Ares is the God of war. And so he, um, was causing all of these wars to happen. And so she would go and fight in the war and would have to choose which side, she thought was he was not on until she like in this photo she's holding a a bag full of heads basically like she'd just go and and kill to oppose him yeah exactly or to try to take him down the description that i heard is basically she was i think the 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 word for or the the, the censored word for word is that she was effing and killing her way around the world like a hundred years before she met Steve Trevor and that he, and like she was not even considering herself a part of the world. She was like above humanity and, and, well, like and the she Amazons, was here, right. Were described to be exactly. And so, and, and so she was here like to fight Ares and then, um, and then it wasn't until she met Steve where there was a revelation of like, Oh wow, there's more to humanity than I've given them credit for across these, numerous wars that I have fought in chasing Ares. And I believe that the kind of central conceit that Zach wanted to go for in, in the, the Wonder Woman that we movie that we did get was still there though, where eventually like she gets Ares and it just turns out like, Oh no, he wasn't really causing those wars. Humanity is just kind of bad. Yeah. Same conclusion. Yeah, exactly. But instead of it being like just one war, it's like, Literally, as Zach said, chasing Ares across the battlefields of the world until uh, 
um, until we get to World War One. At which point, I think Wonder Woman plays out basically this, basically the same. It just lacks that like Wolverine intro montage of her fighting and and who knows how many. Zach says she's like five thousand years old, so we're not just talking you know wars of the nineteenth century. We're talking you know she may have been in some you know ancient ancient stuff. So yeah, the history nut in me loves that because to pretend that World War One was was a war with a beginning. Is, is very goofy. Like it is a war that followed on a century of wars that, that followed on, you know? So yeah. that makes more sense. No matter how many times I read about the, the start of world war one, you always have to just kind of arbitrarily pick a point in time at, at which you're like, okay, let's just say that's the inciting incident because yeah. it's just generations of a, of a chain of events. Uh, most of which are like arbitrary, like, like tit for tat until eventually they're like, um, what's it's like the robot chicken where it's like, all right, now it's my problem. Um, <laughs> yeah. where like it's 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 um, although that's what that's with World War II, but still, it's that level of like escalation until you're like, I don't know, it's like a frog boiling in water. At what point is this a world war versus like cousins feuding over a plot of land? <laughs> yeah, and if you introduce the idea that she is not, you know, European mm-hmm. or anything, then oh no, then there were wars being fought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was like with the Mongols or whatever. Like, yeah, that's like it, it, totally. And maybe this version of the story would even say like, "Oh, Genghis Khan was actually Ares," or maybe she thought he was Ares, and it turns out mm-hmm. that no men are just evil. Same lesson. Cool photo. I like it a lot. Yeah, the one in the the one in the movie I like a lot. I have my own copy of it, and I always look at Zach in the background just standing there, all <laughs> like just hanging out and. uh it's very, very cool. Very cool bit of universe building. I, I remember that, and I have not had a similar moment to that because I don't think any other shared universe has been able to pull that off, really. Yeah, well, especially um, with the surprise casting. Like, that's pretty that's impressive. Like, that's to... them in the movie. That's not them well, staging a photo. That's them on the set making their movie. Yeah, especially coming from uh, uh, a Warner Brothers movie in the era of Zack Snyder. Yeah. It's like, how did this not leak? Like, everything... <laughs> was leaking left and right with with this stuff and then yeah. so every time zach gets a surprise in there it's like whoa you know that he like pulled pulled a rabbit out of a hat for that one fortunately in this minute uh we go from bruce realizing he is in way over his head to lex Luthor pulling zod's corpse out uh in the genesis chamber so as one person makes a revelation <laughs> <laughs> About, I guess, the missing cast member from this third act, you know, that we're building towards. Uh, Lex comes in to do the same. Well, and I found that an interesting trans. I was just talking about how it was pushing in on Bruce and Diana. Right. And then you cut from it, uh, this close up of Bruce to the same. It's no longer pushing in, though, because I think the the pushing in implies some sort of introspection. But there is no introspection with Zod because he's dead. Uh, Zod's dead, baby. And it, you, uh, but I do think it's interesting the way they juxtapose not just Bruce and Zod in their sort of similar philosophy that Bruce is kind of pursuing a, a similar, like, this is my world and I need to purify it from this, whatever, but also the fact that these are both men who. Uh, f- flew too close to the sun and are now 
being crafted into weapons to execute the will of Lex Luthor. One of them is a literal corpse that he is preparing to convert into a, into a weapon, but Bruce has been has been doing the same thing all along, right? Manipulating him into a weapon, both of which are ultimately weapons designed to to kill Superman. Okay, so most of the stuff that we're going to talk about with with Zod and Lex here comes in the next minute. In in this minute, we get the voice of the Kryptonian computer saying, "We're recognizing that this is Zod of Kandor." Nice little shout out to the comics. Bottle City of Kandor spared from the destruction by Brainiac, miniaturized in a little glass display case. Don't think we're supposed to assume that that also happened. <laughs> no, but here. I think there is a metaphor. I think that it is not accidental that it references Kandor, though. Oh, yeah, or Brainiac um, implicitly. Yeah, because there's a level of, like, you can see Brainiac very much in the kind of technology of Krypton, which is common with his origin, that he's like an AI from Krypton, or depending on the version. When you saw his three, I think his logo was in Man of Steel. Well, and also, like, the tentacles of the world engine. Like, it's very yeah. much like, oh, if if Kryptonian AI went rogue, I could see that becoming Brainiac, but also that you're in this Genesis, well, like, what was the Genesis chamber, and you got, like, the tentacles and stuff in there, too. But Superman has the the codex hypothetically could be used to return a Kryptonian pop population, and so Presumably, and yeah. so if the World Engine kind of ha- or not the World Engine but the Scout Ship has that the Genesis Chamber, and Superman can do that, then in a in a not necessarily literal to the comics way, but metaphorical or symbolic way that could be considered very similar to like, let's say the scout ship. I don't know. This is crazy. But like, let's say the scout ship became Brainiac or birthed Brainiac in some way, like a component of it or whatever liberated its AI. It would have Gugino is Brainiac, <laughs> right? It would. Ha- that's not a bad idea. <laughs> and Catwoman, I guess. <laughs> um, wow. Not, not actually people took that one too seriously when, when Zach made the joke before. Yeah. Anyway, so then you have the the idea that Brainiac would then have control over this last remaining population of Kryptonians, which is in essence similar to the concept of Kandor. I guess I always assumed that was Zod's plan was was get the Codex from him if it kills him, and then he he's he goes into the Genesis Chamber with Jor El and. Man of Steel. But uh, as we've already touched on, Lex is here now, so it has gone from cool blue to hellish yellow. Yeah. Uh, as he pulls out Zod's body, pulls it into the goo along with him, expertly manipulating his arm to cover the genitals of <laughs> Zod. I'm always baffled at how you end up doing that on set, but it is flawless. I guess well, we, the life double corpse <laughs> of Michael Shannon as Zod is pulled into frame. Do, and then do you remember Michael Shannon trolling everyone during production for this talking about no. like he was, there was rumors that he oh. was in it and he was talking about like how he had flippers on his hands and yeah, just totally taking people for a ride. Yeah. Yes. Dude is hilarious. Yeah, God bless him. Yeah. Yeah, but we do get the bodies recognized. Lex pulls out a knife and slashes his hand, and that is the end of the minute. I love the foley for the knife. Ugh, it's so gross. Why I, always people do that in movies, and I think you don't have to cut that hard. Well, not only do I have to cut that hard, but the just the sound, like that knife, and and Zach is really good with this. Or you know, it's his it's his sound team, but the the sounds that he chooses for this stuff, it's like the equivalent of how he loves using a giant safe door for like any door closing just because of the like 
this knife does not, this is not that kind of knife that's going to make that kind of flipping noise. No. And then, and then the cutting noise that it also makes, but it's so, it, it, it just adds to the weight of it, even though like in, in reality, like on set, him opening that pocket knife was not nearly so cool as, as uh, the, the, how it sounds when he opens it in the, in the movie. <laughs> Yeah. I also shout out to Jesse Eisenberg's like whimper. Yeah. As Lex as he does it, like undercutting all of these moments again. And that is where the minute ends. So we wonder why the heck did Lex just cut his hand? I don't know. I guess I, I, I'm just going to continue. I, I'm going to have this, this like existential crisis every time about whether or not I should call out when a minute ends on a punctuation mark like that. But it is a clean split half between Bruce, Bruce following Lex's breadcrumbs and Lex leading Zod to the next era of his, uh, his purpose. And it ends right on uh, right on the note. It's like another very well-structured minute. The end of minute 101, in fact. Mm-hmm. So we will end it there. Again, your regular reminder, accept our thanks for listening. And in turn, we will accept your support in listening to the podcast, downloading it, telling a friend about it, giving us a review on iTunes, or supporting the podcast on patreon.com slash Snyder Minute, where you can support BVS, Justice League, all of the little extra bonus goodies that we'll be doing. We'll be doing a special episode just on Michael Shannon's uh, silicone double dummy here and what is behind Lex's arm. I'm just kidding. But you can also follow everything we're doing on Twitter at BVS by the Minute, at Snyder Minute, at JL by the Minute, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. And we hope that you will join us as we get to, well, we're going to have a lot to talk about in this next minute as well. <laughs> so... Along with Lex, we will cut it there. Acknowledging presence of genetic material. Analyzing. I've identified the host as General Zod of Candor. Hey, 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 hey.